There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's the Tom Bernard Show. Sitting in for Tom Bernard, I'm Dave Schrader, along with... Tevin Pittman. Andy Brant Bernard. Cassie Schrader. We've got more stories to share and some updates on Tevin's podcast when we return to the Tom Bernard Show. Walzer Automotive Group started in Minnesota over 60 years ago. Most people know something about the Walzer way. Upfront, no haggle pricing, work with one person from start to finish, or the free lifetime powertrain warranty on most vehicles sold in Minnesota. What you might not know is they are the only automotive group that is a member of the Keystone Club. They join such great Minnesota companies as General Mills, Target, Cargill, the Twins, Wolves, and Vikings in pledging 5% pre-tax profits to local charities. It's a great example of their core values. Do the right thing, display positive energy, be open-minded, and lead by example. So if you're in the market for a new or used car, check out walzer.com or stop into one of their dealerships. Please don't say, tell them Tommy sent you, because it sounds fake, and I hate it. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company, and they start asking you questions, or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. (laughs) And there it is. (laughs) You talk about a song, I'm going to play it. Yeah. So this is, uh, Tom, you were just at a soccer match? Yeah, the Minnesota United. Did you lose they, a bet? No, they, I was with some people, and they were like, you want to go to this soccer game? And it's like, well, you guys are all going, I'll tag along. And it was actually pretty exciting. There was really? six, six total goals. So wow. I, yeah, I don't know what was in the water that day, but they actually did well. They won. And then afterwards, nobody went anywhere and was like, Kind of bizarre. Like, people hey, aren't used we, to a Minnesota like, yeah, team we, winning or what? Should we, like, shouldn't everybody be leaving? And they're like, oh, no, they all sing this song at the end. And, yeah, Oasis Wonderwall started playing. Wait a minute. So they win six by six points? Yeah, they won. It was like five to one or five something Five to like one. That. You'd think maybe Eye of the Tiger by Survivor. Yep. You'd, maybe Welcome to the Jungle. That's another right? good That's another yeah, good. Bet. We are the champions. Mm-hmm. We will rock you. Yeah, there's there's a lot maybe of even Dancing Queen. That, there's a lot of songs that get you jacked but Wonderwall? up. Wonderwall, yeah, Wonderwall's your big winner, huh? Mm-hmm. It is soccer. We might want to. Yeah, it was. I was like, yeah. this is why soccer's not a mainstream. No. What sport. is that what? old joke that? Uh, God, who I can't remember who it said it was. It a Minnesota sports writer or something? But it says, "Why do people play soccer so they mm. don't have to watch it?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow, that's crazy. Wonderwall. 
That's yeah. the big wrap-up feel-good tune at the end of it. Yeah. Is everybody rocking? There's like 19,000 people out there. Are they all swaying? Sque- yeah, swaying, swaying a little bit. Singing? They have their scarves that they're holding up, which is another weird... <laughs> Isn't, scarves? Isn't the Minnesota United the Manchester United logo? I think that so. That, yeah. The... I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's... We couldn't even come up with our own logo. No. And there's, and there's, I'm pretty sure in MLS there's like four different teams that are called the United. It's like the Atlanta United, Minnesota United, and where, whoever else. Hmm. So, yeah, no, no originality in names. Weird scarves that everybody holds up. And they all sing Wonderwall when they win. So. Are they knitted scarves? <laughs> are, they, are they silk scarves? Uh, what are no, they? they're, uh, I think they're just like a cotton. No, not knitted. Nobody's grandma. Nobody's nana's in the back knitting them. But uh, <laughs> it's kind of a. Like, <laughs> it's kind of a longer you and your version dumb of a shocker, please, Yeah, friend. pretty much. Yeah, it's like it's like a Pittsburgh terrible towel, except a scarf oh, version of it. Good oh, God. God. <laughs> and they all hold up like. And just so it's like the, the, the what, what did they call that in the uh, 90s, 80s and 90s when the twins were relevant? Uh, the Homer Hanky. Homer yeah. Hanky, yes. I have one. Yep. I have two. I... In your face. <laughs> <laughs> I used to work for the company that did the banners, the, the oh, okay. pennants, Windcraft. And here's something weird, right? They, when they a team would be going into the World Series and be down to the last couple of games, they would have pennants made yep. for Atlanta Braves world champion. Or twins, and then they'd have to take them out and destroy them. But mm. the ML, MLB had to pay for all those. So what they did was they had gotten them out there to destroy, and my buddy Tim and I went and grabbed a handful of each. So about, <laughs> I don't know, 15 years ago, I sold them on eBay. The yeah. the, the banner, no one got to see the pennant that shows the uh, Braves oh, winning right. the, what was it, 91 uh, World Series. Yeah, they, uh, well, the NFL, they do the same thing because obviously yeah. you don't, you have to be prepared for either scenario. And don't they send them off to like third world countries too at all? For uh, the losing Good. team, yeah, I think they, you're right. Yeah, they send off like, yeah. all the loser shirts. Yep. I know when I was at, at the Paul McCartney concert in the '90s, there were people outside selling the fake shirts. Yeah, and I'm like, hey man, it's the exact same shirt they have inside. Tim points at it and he goes, yeah, but it's Paul M C A R T N E Y. They're missing a C. <laughs> Who cares? It's five bucks. <laughs> like it's forty bucks in there. I'll, I'll wear the Paul right. McCartney shirt instead. Hey, I want to welcome all of the L Gabbers. Uh, we have a a listening group that is part of our, our show, Midnight in the Desert, that I do okay. Monday through Friday. We're a paranormal and fringe anomalous talk radio show. Yeah. So uh, for listeners that are interested, we do have something really cool going on, and then I want to talk about your podcast. Uh, if you're interested in strange and anomalous conversations, Monday through Friday, you can join me on Midnight in the Desert. Everybody that subscribes in the month of July, it's four ninety nine a month to be a member. $4 we're donating to Second Harvest Heartland. Okay. So every dollar you help us raise supplies three meals to somebody in need. So uh, it's it's a great way to help people. Plus, you get to you know test out the show, see if you like it, and subscribe in the month of July, and you'll get that opportunity. You can go to midnightinthedesert.com slash hunger. That's midnightinthedesert.com slash hunger. Subscribe this month, and your first month uh, subscription, $4 of the four ninety nine is going to go right to a great charity. So that's going on. And welcome to all of our L-Gabbers and, and Midnighters and Army of Darkness. Thank you guys for checking out the YouTube uh, video live stream and uh, and the live stream that we put the links out for. Uh, Tevin, talk to me about your podcast. For uh, all yeah. the listeners that don't know, what's the name of your show? Yeah, it's uh, Profession Confession. It's hosted by comedian Gabe Noah. Um, it's funny that you mentioned kind of the paranormal. We had ghost hunters on um, from the Minnesota paranormal society i believe okay um, sure or one of the local, twin cities yeah, paranormal society yeah. yeah i think it was that sure. one they uh but yeah they came on and they brought a bunch of like audio clips of going into all these haunted houses all sure. over the world and going into it and they started out as skeptics they had said and they kind of joined to well we don't believe in ghosts we're gonna debunk yeah, it all debunk right? all yeah. this and now they yeah they're like nope this is all 100 percent real and they were, you could see the fear in their eyes. of Yeah, if it's TCPS, when I get a lot of people here in the Twin Cities that will hit me up with, I need help, and if I can't get to them, mm-hmm. I usually shoot them over to TCPS to take yeah. a look at it. Yeah, they, yeah they, some of the audio that they brought in, and like just hearing like the backstories of going into some of like the old hotels or mansions and stuff, and it's like I would never. They invite us on a ghost hunt, and I was like, I need to be at the back of the line so I can <laughs> don't get you don't. out. That's where the ghosts touch you the most in the back of the uh, line. I, I suppose. But yeah. I just need to get out of the house. <laughs> like, there's, there's no there's no fighting a ghost, so I'm, yeah, I'm out. There's <laughs> no fighting a ghost. Not with that loser attitude there's not. Yeah, I suppose. I should be more positive. And yeah. how often is your podcast out? Uh, we release them once a week. Um, right now, we've, with our summer schedule, we've taken a little bit of a break, but we're getting back into the swing of things. We've got a uh, prison guard episode that we've done we're um doing another one we had a minimum level security or a correctional officer uh, that was on the show and then we've got another maximum level security 
or corrections officer that uh, is going to be on hopefully this week, and then we'll release that one out. Were there some alarming stories? Oh yeah, and I think like even in the minimum one minimum security, there's still like there's talking about like the scene in uh, Full they're, Metal they're Jacket. They're pouring their Perrier on the floor. Right. Ooh, this is lukewarm. <laughs> yeah, they, they were talking security. about like the. Uh, like the Full Metal Jacket with the soap bars of soap when they hit people, okay. they were like, oh. uh, they were like, the corrections officer was like, yeah, that happens all the time. Except they'll use like padlocks to to Yikes. assault people. And so yeah, it's the some of the well, stuff. Where are they getting padlocks? That's what I said. I was like, what do they <laughs> need? That's, if they're locked up. What do they need? That's locked chain up, up your bike. Yeah. Who's gonna <laughs> steal it? Where's it going? Yeah, they like and the kind of the overarching theme, and even with probably what happened kind of in the Stillwater, Stillwater's uh, murder. That took place. What was it last week? Where the correctional officer got murdered at Stillwater? Oh, I didn't Stillwater. hear about it. Yeah. Oh, you didn't. Yeah. There was a guy. I was want to say he was in the industry where he was able to work, um, or whatever. Got released, and the guy that was watching him, he ended up like getting beaten to death with a hammer and Holy stabbed. Cow. So yeah, the funeral for the guy is, I believe, this Wednesday yeah. or Thursday. Maybe I don't know. I'm gonna go out on a limb here. I understand everybody needs a chance to rehab and, and change their lives, but right. maybe you don't maybe you don't give yeah. hardened criminals and hammers. And exactly. Stuff. Yeah, and this guy, no, I think like he was, was, rubber a, he was already in prison for murder, so it was huh. like he was. Yeah, you might not want to give that guy any type of type of weapon, no. but yeah, it didn't. Uh, wow. Unfortunately, yeah, the guy was murdered. And if we get any new uh, new criminals that are brought in and their nickname is like Lockass, maybe we check him <laughs> check him down for a padlock or something. Yeah. How do you smuggle those in? That's I've. You'd be surprised. They can they can really get anything in. And they were saying that uh, just because the they're so understaffed that a lot of times um, officers will get bribed to whatever get bring in cell phones or no. do, really yeah to do random things and so do they get paid pretty well? I want to say it was like twenty dollars an hour or something well, like that. Apparently they're so getting not... paid well by the outsiders to <laughs> smuggle stuff in. I don't know if they're getting. Uh... You know what always unnerved me? My kids. Uh, we lived in the Centennial School District. Okay. And yeah. uh, literally across the highway is the prison. I'm like, oh, that seems like a bad yeah, zoning maybe not, area. Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't have a breakable prison because it's, you know, there were just some fences. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's yeah, really somebody gets out and now you yeah. have a criminal running around by a school. I mean, I guess it's a good scared straight tactic for the for the students. Like, hey, you better pay attention, otherwise <laughs> you're going to end up across the Rebecca street. Rebecca <laughs> of Sunnybrook Farm finding the silver lining in this. It's a, no, but Dave, the upside is <laughs> yeah. it's going to teach kids. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, yeah that that always unnerved me, and I wasn't. I love the signs along the side of the highway. Don't pick up hitchhikers. <laughs> Why is that? Oh, a prison. A prison. Yeah. Seems like a pretty good yeah. reason. Yeah, just don't pick up anybody in an orange jumpsuit. I think you should be you should be all right. Do they still make you wear the orange jumpsuits? I don't know. I would assume so. Oh. I don't. I never see them out there. They used to when they'd be out cleaning the side of the right. road. Yeah, that's a now good question. Like, actually, now it's like Boy Scouts out there cleaning. Are they? <laughs> I just thought they were a bunch of rogue criminals. <laughs> Young, that's the scared straight program now. Yeah, it looks like they do still do the orange jumpsuit. Really? Probably just depends on the prison and what yeah. kind of secure. Mm-hmm. If it's maximum, minimal. I think right. they should be out in the black and white stripes, the old day stuff. Right. right? Well, yeah, it, it looks like a ball and chain around their yeah. ankle. It looks like they do. <laughs> they some do places. that stuff. They they chain the the ankles together to really? keep you from running. Chain yeah. gangs, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the, what's what's talking all of these different professionals? What's been like the, the most shocking stories you've ever heard? Probably any of the military stories that we oh, yeah. have on, like where because you just see all of the ugly sides of war, and we had a sniper that would have to sit out in the mountains in Iraq and wait for terrorists to come out and just ghost these guys from. A thousand how do they know? Away. I mean, are they wearing like a big T or something? How do you how do you yeah, know from a, that far out that oh, that's a terrorist? Right, and you know, and people like oh, you hate to say like oh, all the terrorists are all one type of people look alike, right. but when if they have their turban on and they're that far away, like you have no idea of right. who, who it is. But they have enough intel and they have their spotter, and yeah, I'm guessing their technology is good enough where they can say yeah, that's definitely the or guy. that's at least how you sell it to yourself so you do that's, the job yeah, you got to yeah. do. Huh? Yeah, because I'm just the the amount of time he said he's they'll stay out there for weeks just laying in the same spot hoping that the guy will that's yeah, a lot like my son he... <laughs> just sits in the basement playing <laughs> yeah. video games sniping people on <laughs> right. what is that stupid game uh, they play oh gosh it's like well, fortnite or fortnite. call of yeah. duty yeah, yeah. yeah. Call it's of just duty. like yeah it's just like that yeah. he just sits here in the basement <laughs> the Dad, only time... I'm, I'm honing my skills <laughs> the only time they get up and move is if they do the fortnite dance because right. apparently all these characters and that's all those 
like the floss. Tell me it's to Oasis's Wonderwall. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what music it's to. It's just my kids will break out and dance. I'm like, what are you doing? It looks like I'm having a seizure. It's the hamster dance. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they no, and I think the another interesting one again with a military guy. He was they were breaking into a compound Mm -hmm. that they had received fire from, and the they're going through all the rooms and clearing the house and. They get they're under night vision because it's in the middle of the night and uh, the one of the terrorists is in a room wakes up, grabs his weapon and tries to fight with the uh, military personnel going through the house. So they kill the guy in the room and they turn the lights on and the guy's the terrorist wife and kid is laying in the bed like right next to him and so they were like like what are we doing over here we just yeah we might have stopped this terrorist but we just created two more people that probably now hate hate America and so they're very the level of confliction in some of the stories as well is very very I've got a guess right when you've got to go in and your job is to kill yeah yeah and it's you're in the situation where it's either you or them and that's the same situation mm-hmm. the other guy is in so now it's somebody's got to come out not looking that great when you're especially when the wife and kid are there that's the hardest that was like the most jaw-dropping one where it was like see I think they're breeding a whole new civilization of warriors that's why mm-hmm. Grand Theft Auto and Halo and all of these video games are so violent because our generation, they messed up on with the 8-bit graphics. <laughs> it's really hard to get into the feel of it when you're boop, 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 right? Little block characters shooting little pellets across the screen. It doesn't give you that same rush, but now kids are like, that's, I don't, that's why I think there's, I don't want to blame video games for all the violence, but mm-hmm. I think that break of, of reality and... Yeah, kind of fantasy is gone now, right? You're a lot more desensitized well, yeah, to the graphic like, nature. Yeah, because if my kid becomes a sniper and shoots a terrorist, he's going to get up and do the floss dance afterwards. <laughs> so it's like... <laughs> uh, we got another one we got to take down. <laughs> it's like, what was that, uh, The Last Starfighter? Did you ever see that movie? Nope. I've been meaning to, actually. That's a great flick from the 80s. It was a, a Basically, there's this video game system and people are playing it when you hit a certain mm-hmm. level. They realize you've got the capability, and they came down and got you, and they're like, we need help. <laughs> so they grab, grab him and bring him up to fight, uh, fight this battle. So, that, Yeah, that's, a, that's one interesting, that's a one way, I guess, to recruit. Well, yeah, I wonder how many times the government's soldiers. watching, right, on the video games. Who's, who's really good at the, like, alarmingly good at sniping people and, and stays alive? Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, they need to just figure out how to make that, I guess, into a, can you get, you can't put a controller on a video game, or I mean on a sniper, we give them a controller and just <laughs> turn it into not. a, turn it sure into a video Sure they do, now you've got the drones. Well, yeah, I guess if yeah, they're using drones. drones. Right, have you yeah. seen that footage, it's crazy when you see them flying over and they're like, no clue, and all of a sudden you just see the little crosshairs hit the deal mm-hmm. and start poof, mm-hmm. poof, and then you see out of the smoke, somebody comes running and then pip, 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 and they're gone. Yep. Yeah. And we are in the age of live video game systems when it comes to murder, That's you true. know, war murder. It's, it's crazy. Uh, yeah. I just, like I said, I, when people would tell me all oh, video games, video game violence and, and violence on TV, I'm like, I grew up watching the Dukes of Hazard and, and uh, Starsky and Hutch and I played violent video games, but they're nowhere near what, what it is oh, today. No. You know, I mean, I, of course, I never tried to outrun the law either in my <laughs> souped-up, uh, what did I have, Geo Metro. Yeah, I don't think you're going to get very far. <laughs> It'd be interesting to see. In I was, his mind, uh, he would. Oh, right. would. Man, if you could give me three minutes to pick up steam, I'm okay. Then right. you got to try to catch me. No, I, I always say... Let's oh, take yeah, a quick break. break. We'll come back. Tevin, <laughs> we'll, we'll hear your story. We've got some other news to share right here on the Tom Bernard Show. It's Tom telling you how easy it's been to lose weight at Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth with their weight loss plan. I'm down over 77 pounds and have one more round to go to shed the rest of my unwanted pounds. Find out how to have success losing weight like I did by attending the Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth free informational dinner. It is on Monday, August 20th, 6 p.m. at Jake's in Plymouth. That extra baggage melts away really fast. And one of the best parts is it's just so easy. I am never, ever hungry. Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth has educated me on clean eating, and I now know the foods that work for me and the weight gain trigger foods. Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth will guarantee that you lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth has helped me change my life, and they can help you too. Register for the Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth dinner on August 20th. Call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. If you are a homeowner, you do not want to miss this free event. We are hosting a free seller workshop 
where we are going to teach you how to net between thirty dollars to $60,000 more on your home sale. Plus, we are going to share our proven systems that will instantly put the control back in your corner. Guarantee yourself the results you deserve when it comes time to sell your house. Our exclusive workshop will be sold out shortly, so call now to secure your free ticket by calling 763-401-SOLD or by visiting sellerworkshop.com. This free seller workshop will be held the week of August 6th. The last workshop sold out very fast, so hurry and call Chris Lindahl Real Estate today to save your free ticket. So call now, 763-401-SOLD or visit sellerworkshop.com for times, locations, and to secure your free ticket. Okay, you know how it works. Uh, I don't promote people that aren't the real deal or don't do the right thing. This is not a bare-bones situation at all. And the best part is it's free. Full metal jacket or whatever? Well, it's CCR. Well, yeah, but the yeah. movie... This was in a war movie. Oh, well, it's been in a lot of Vietnam War yeah. movies. Well, it's yeah. like the most iconic song. Yeah. All right, we're back. This is the Tom Bernard Show. Sitting in for Tom Bernard, I'm Dave Schrader. He'll be back with you tomorrow on the program. Tevin, before the break, I cut you off because we had to go to commercial break. But oh. we're, we were about to no, take you us were, into No, you were saying like you get into a car chase with your with your Geo. <laughs> <laughs> Geo Metro. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's like the number one, if I could get away with a crime, or like I grew up in a small town right. in Wisconsin, and it was like, I wish I could just like tell a cop, like, hey, can we just get into a car chase and right. like, try to evade you the best I can? We'll just call it a day after it's all, all said and done. Like, I think that would be a fun experience to see if you could actually get away. With- get out, Outrun the cops. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see a Geo Metro outrun the cops through cornfields. <laughs> that would <laughs> no. be epic. Geo Metro, we couldn't get over a speed bump. <laughs> I would launch like the beginning of the Dukes of Hazard. I'd hit the... <laughs> but you hit and you fold like a can. Oh, God. Literally, uh, my buddy Tim borrowed the car once and like backed up at an eighth of a mile an hour and like caved in the backside of my car. He's like, how did that happen? <laughs> Uh, I didn't go for the you know premium package on my no, Geo Metro. No, this is one of those cars where you hit a deer and the deer gets up and walks away. That's right. Yeah. You hit your car my, my airbags were just one of those whoopee cushions I had to tape to the wheel if I felt like there might be an accident coming. Uh, we've got some uh, weird stories coming out. Dennis Quaid. We'll get some of the entertainment stuff out of the way. Dennis Quaid is getting real about his cocaine addiction. We have some... Mm. Some strange uh, admissions going on today. The actor, 64, appeared Monday on Megyn Kelly Today, where he recalled his struggles with the drug earlier in his career. The Parent Trap star, really, that's the one you're going to stick Yeah, really, with? that's yeah. weird. He's done a million movies, and you're going <laughs> to... The Parent Trap star said that he grew up in the 60s and 70s when there was a completely different attitude. And cocaine, you know, that, that was just part of the norm back yeah, then. Yeah, totally. It was even in some uh, movie budgets. Wow. <laughs> so when you thought it was for the snow machine, that yep. wasn't for the ski no. scenes. No, it was uh, the, the blow. It was even in some movie budgets. I was basically doing cocaine pretty much on a daily basis during the 80s, he admitted. I spent many, many a night screaming to God, please take this away from me and I'll never do it again because I've only got an hour before I have to be at work. Well, then you better take a, a snort of coke to get that energy level right. back up, right? Then at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I'd go, oh, it's not so bad, he added. I had what I call a white light experience where I saw myself either dead or losing everything that meant anything to me. The actor was engaged to Meg Ryan when he said he had this epiphany and had to explain to her that he had a problem. In 1990, he went into rehab for cocaine addiction and went through a very difficult and public divorce from his second wife, actress Meg Ryan, in 2001. The two had one son, actor Jack, now 25. That was uh, the end of the love affair with me and cocaine, he said. The actor is now in a relationship with Latvian-born model Santa Ozina, age 31, who he began dating in 2016 after he split from his third wife, real estate agent Kimberly Buffington. She's 31? Right. And he's 64? Yeah. Honey, we don't seem so far apart now, do we? Yeah. Yeah. That's Hollywood for you. That's uh, with whom he had twins, Thomas and Zoe, now age 10. Interesting, interesting. So uh, that's uh, that's that story. Yeah, he's he's out there talking about uh, yeah. And I wonder was is it his cocaine issues? Is it uh, that movies used to have a cocaine uh, budget, or was it that he to do the movie was like, hey, you guys also need this. I need a little coke per diem. In the yeah. inclusion rider. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is this is part of me being in this movie. That's crazy. 
No, everyone was everyone in Hollywood was on coke back then, just constantly. How do you like this story? R. Kelly might want to get a new lawyer. Oh, the R and B singer admit uh, released a 19 minute track called "I Admit." He did that today. The song, which includes the chorus "I Admit It, I Did It," covers the accusations that Kelly kidnapped women and held them as sex slaves, and the allegation that he slept with underage girls. Today is the day you've been waiting for, Kelly wrote on Instagram, directing followers to the same SoundCloud link our readers can find towards the bottom of this post, according to MSN News. I don't Be- think there's a statute of limitations on some of the things he did. No, so. well, but here's the thing. It, why would you? I don't know. But before that, uh, before even that, you can read some of the more explosive lyrics. I admit I effed with the ladies, he sings at one point. That's both older and young ladies, but tell me how they call it pedophilia. Because of that beep, uh, that's crazy. You may have your opinions entitled to your opinions. No, it's uh, not an opinion. It's the truth. The women so under the age, age of 18. Of is, that's just right? how it is. Yeah, that's just your opinion. Your Honor, right. I did not steal from them. I took what I thought was mine because, in my opinion, right. I wanted it and it mm-hmm. wasn't theirs and it shouldn't be theirs. Ugh. What a moron. R. Kelly. He goes, I, I admit I'm not perfect. Kelly says later, I never said I was perfect. Say I'm abusing these women. What the F? That's some absurd shoot. They brainwashed. Really? Kidnapped? Really? Can't eat? Really? Real talk? Well, that's just H sounds silly. So he he admits he did all this, but then he's like, but they kind of had it coming. Yeah, and then as well, like it's not like he's going to go to jail now because he releases because it's technically... A creative right. outlet. Yeah, I don't song. think like, it really counts indicted. as a confession. Yeah. Yeah. His next line is, "What's the definition of a cult? What's the definition of a sex slave? Go to the dictionary, look it up. Let me know. I'll be here waiting." That seems like he's kind of mocking. Right. Yeah, yeah. He, whatever. I guess he's... I prefer George Michael's lyrics of, "What's your definition of dirty, baby? What do you call pornography?" I think <laughs> R. Kelly's now ripping off from George. That's all he's going to say. Is now sampling that bit. Uh, other admissions include not going to church. Really, we're going to focus on that. <laughs> uh. Not owning his own music and loving Steve Harvey. Mm. <laughs> so as long as you're going to admit to stuff, yeah, I might have had sex with underage women. I might have raped and kept women sex slaves. And I'm a big fan of Steve Harvey. <laughs> how would that even work into it? Yeah, and how does Steve Harvey feel? Like, how am I now? <laughs> so being a fan of me is like also raping these women. Yeah, that's crazy. Oh, where's Dave Chappelle when you need him? Oh, he'll, I'm sure. I'm sure his next Netflix <laughs> yep. comedy special is being written as we speak. Yeah, all about R. Kelly. John Lennon's killer is coming up for parole for the tenth time. John Lennon's killer is hoping that a state parole board gives him. Uh, freedom, finally. Mark David Chapman is scheduled to appear before a parole panel the week of August 20th. For Chapman, it will be the 10th time he's been eligible for parole. The previous nine, he's been rejected. I don't think we needed that line. It was pretty obvious when he's up for his 10th time. We know what happened in the first nine. But this year, the parole board has been more willing to place heavier emphasis to an inmate's behavior behind bars than simply focus on the severity of the crime. So here's my question on that statement, right? Mm-hmm. What's the severity of the crime? I know other people that were in and out in two years after murdering somebody. Right. But because it was John Lennon, the severity is so much deeper. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really all it is. How, how is that? Or I wonder if they're keeping him in jail for his own safety. That, that could be too. Is another part of it, yeah. Because I, I, I got to guess. And, and maybe that's the way the law should end. It's the purge, the beginning of the purge, right? They're just going to release Mark David Chapman and every other murderer of famous people or children on a corner in you know downtown Chicago and say, all right, you've earned your parole. <laughs> Take care. That's going to be the end of it. Uh, I don't think he'd survive very long. No. no, with all the crazed fans that are out there in the yep. world, like of really anybody. Like, We'd have a Jack Ruby, but for the Beatles coming. Yeah. Oof. Uh, it says that uh, they're taking a look at him. Several cop killers and other notorious murderers who had been long denied parole were set free in recent months. In the past, the parole board, even while citing Chapman's clean prison record since 1994, has cited the premeditated and celebrity-seeking nature of the crime and routinely said that releasing him would undermine respect for the law. Cop killers get out sooner than that. Yeah. 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 It's got to just I mean, I'm not trying like... to downplay the importance of John Lennon. But it just seems weird, unless, like I said, unless they're really just taking into account, hey, if we cut you loose, we're kind of signing your death warrant here. Right. So mm-hmm. we're, you know, we have to take that into perspective here. 
Chapman 63 shot Lennon on December 8, 1980, as the famed ex-Beatle and Ono returned to the Dakota building uh, across from Central Park after a late-night recording session. Sentenced to 20 years to life in prison, Chapman currently resides at Upstate Wendy Correctional Facility. In past uh, parole hearings, the only, or it says, the once pudgy killer. Why? I don't know why you have to throw that part in. <laughs> the once pudgy killer is claimed to have found Jesus while behind bars. Why, what was Jesus in for? <laughs> Just curious. Even while denying him his release in 2016, the last time he came up for parole, the panel members commended, Cha- uh, yeah, commended Chapman for your acceptance of responsibility and the vivid characterization of your crime as premeditated, selfish, and evil. Well, yeah, what killer couldn't figure that rank out to get out of jail? Well, yeah, I'm sorry. Well, Manson, there you Manson go. didn't. Manson just kept saying, it's not my fault. Well, bloop, 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 bloop. Did you ever hear those? Audio bits of him mm-hmm. at the parole hearings. Yep. It's he's most... very, very crazy. Well, he'll yeah. start doing that, and then he's like, and people think I'm blibbity and a blop, blibbity, ding dong, <laughs> and he literally starts scatting in the middle of the conversation, and it just it it's insane. The board also said it considered his network of support and release plan, and his record and behavior behind bars, but ultimately kept him locked up. Chapman. Uh, has said he targeted Lennon because of his fame and a twisted belief that the rocker was a phony for living in an elite lifestyle. He is kept in protective custody against his will and works as an administrative clerk. Um, He's kept in protective custody against his will. Well, that's what jail is, right? (laughs) Well, I mean, I think they mean from the other inmates. He's allowed out of a cell a minimum of three hours a day. Minimum or maximum? No, minimum. That doesn't make any sense. Well, Why would they put it, a minimum on getting him out of his cell? Because sometimes the more hardened criminals, the bad guys, the guys that have taken down kids or, or people like this, they get three hours of kind of free zone, mm-hmm. and then for their own protection, they have to be in their cell. Right. i got to guess there's a lot of Beatle fans in prison. So. Oh, yeah, but that would be a maximum, though, of three hours. Well, I, I think they mean it's uh, a minimum. The least he'll get is three hours out. Maybe he'll get four today because pudding cup day. I don't know. <laughs> Chapman is also registered. Best day in prison. <laughs> yes. Mmm, pudding cup. Chapman also is registered in the prison system's family reunion program, which allows him conjugal visits with his wife, Gloria Hiroko Chapman. They're still married? Who married him 18 months before the murder and visits with his uh, stepfather. His wife could not be reached for comment. Wow. Huh. That's a committed wife. Yeah, she should be. Chapman, in previous (laughs) parole hearings, says he's willing to pay for his crime in prison however long it takes. Well, then stop asking for parole. Right, yeah. A lawyer for Yoko Ono, Lennon's widow, did not return quests for comment about Chapman's latest parole hearing. I wonder if she's still all about the hippie freedom and... I think so. Give peace a chance. You'd think she would step up and say, all right, I forgive you. Well, it's talk all about, about phonies, you know. No one likes Yoko. Or maybe Yoko. she'll release an album. I forgive you! <laughs> oh, God, her music is horrible. Mm-hmm. Ono sent a letter every time. Chat can already hear the emails. Dear Dave Schrader, how dare you mock the legend that is Yoko Ono. Ono has sent a letter every time Chapman has gone before the board asking that he be kept locked up, not only for the safety of her and the slain Beatles' two sons, but also for Chapman's safety, who she said could be at risk of harm from still angry Lennon fans. Well, so definitely. at least she's taking that stance. You know, she's, she's stepping up saying that. Uh, Bowie recording found in a bread basket. Mm. Huh. What? <laughs> yeah, weird. Uh, misplaced oddity, David Bowie's very first demo track made when he was just 16 is set to go on the auction block in September and could fetch as much as $13,000. The Guardian, I bet it goes much higher than oh, that. Oh, yeah. Much higher. The Guardian and Independent report that the 19, unless it's like him singing happy birthday or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Old MacDonald had a farm. Um, they said the 1963 recording of Bowie, then known by his uh, given name, David Jones, with his first band, the Conrads, was found by the group's former drummer and manager, David Hadfield, in his grandfather's bread basket while he was cleaning out the garage loft in the 1990s. At that time, I never dreamed was recorded to impress record executives at DECA. Bowie was actually the band's saxophonist, though the group decided for his particular song he'd take lead vocals. 
His heart and mind were focused on becoming a world-class saxophone player, uh, Hadfield says, per The Independent. The demo didn't lead to a signing with Decca, and Bowie left the band shortly after an audition with the record company later that year, which also didn't lead to a deal. The tape, which auctioneer Paul Fairweather calls a significant, completely unique recording, will be up for auction along with other memorabilia from Hadfield, including letters, photos, and booking papers from Bowie's earliest days as a performer, per the BBC. Yeah, they're saying what is that? Thirteen grand. I I, I bet it's got it goes, way north of that. I yeah, think it's going to hit hundred hundred to one hundred and fifty thousand. Right, because you get somebody that's just got a ton of money that's a huge Bowie fan and is like that just wants to have it just to have it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's my sixth sense of humor. I see he gets the tape, he takes it home, he puts it in the tape recorder, pushes it and pushes play, and it starts eating up the tape. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh yeah, no. anyone who buys that would be copying the hell out of it before they try to play there it with the, with the pencil and the little tape holder trying to twirl it. Oh, God, you're, those are the you, good old days. Oh, come on, Tevin. You only VHS. saw those in TV shows. I had shows. the VHS. No, my, uh, I had a cassette of Shaggy. wasn't me. That was my first cassette mm-hmm. that I got. Third grade. Cassettes day. were the worst. Yeah, Shaggy's big big we, against Sting and him are partners. Yeah, yeah, They're yeah, going to be in town. On. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We've got some more news to share right here on the Tom Bernard Show. Tom Bernard, here to tell you, Priority Courier Experts has immediate openings for drivers looking for more. Priority drivers are independent contractors who set their own hours, start from their own driveways, and deliver local on-call parcels and freight, which means you're home for dinner every night, and you get paid weekly. Right now, Priority's driver-friendly lease-to-own program has brand-new dock trucks, flatbeds, curtain sides, and tractor trailers just waiting to be driven home. And Priority is also offering a $4,000 sign-on bonus to qualified drivers. So if you've got the skills, we can get you qualified to start driving a brand new truck in as little as three days. Calling all drivers, come get the $4,000 sign-on bonus you deserve for all the knowledge and experience you bring to the delivery business. Call Roger or Eddie right now at 651-748-4477 or visit them online at Priority.com. Priority Courier Experts. Every time you call us, we deliver. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. When you call Sabre for service, you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing, repairing, and installing heating and air conditioning equipment. Sabre Techs give you the service you need, not the other stuff that you don't need. When you combine that with Sabre's A rating for customer service and the best equipment from Bryant, you get exactly what you need. So make the call to Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning today. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. We're back. This is the Tom Bernard Show. A lot of strange violence breaking out right now. Four men arrested in connection with apparent acid attack on a three-year-old British boy, police say. Four men were arrested in connection with an apparent acid attack on a three-year-old boy that occurred at a busy store in England on Saturday, police said. Three men, ages 22, 25, and 26, were being questioned in London on suspicion of conspiracy to commit grievous bodily harm West America police uh, said Monday a 39-year-old suspect was arrested Sunday. The attack took place at around 2.15 p.m. at Home Bargains, a discount retail store in Worcester. Uh, At this time, we are treating this as a deliberate attack on a three-year-old boy. West America Police Chief Superintendent Mark Travis said in a statement, the incident will rightly shock the local community, and I would like to reassure local people that we are carrying out a thorough investigation to identify those responsible. Police said that the boy was treated at the hospital for a serious burns to his arms and face and was later released. Authorities said the long-term medical implications for the child are unknown, but they hope he will not suffer life-changing injuries. It's an awful incident, and we're really, really concerned about this, Travis told Sky News. Worcester City Council leader Mark Bayless described the attack as absolutely pure evil and urged anyone with information to come forward. Think if this was a member of your family, an innocent child, a three-year-old, probably scarred or damaged for life by this, he told Sky News. We need to bring the perpetrators to justice and quickly. What kind of, what's in your mind that you target a three-year-old kid? Yeah, that's In an acid attack. Not that there's, well, you know, if you were 20, I totally understand it, but... Right, but if it's an adult that was attacked, it's like, well, there's probably the backstory, like they're 
wrong or that could, not that right. it was ever okay, but there's at least some backstory. It's like a three year old. Well, he didn't piss anybody off. Why is he? Right, and you're a three year old kid. The kid's got a whole life in front of him. Yeah. And then, uh, unbelievable. Uh, two dead, 12 injured in a Danforth shooting rampage. Two people are dead, 12 others are injured after a shooting rampage Sunday night on Danforth Avenue in, in uh, Canada, the uh, Toronto. The suspected gunman is also dead, Saunders said. All the injured victims had been taken to hospitals for treatment. The police chief said there was an exchange of gunfire and that the alleged shooter had used a handgun. It was not immediately clear whether the alleged attacker had been killed by police or by self-inflicted gunshots. Mm. The Special Investigations Unit, which probes deaths or serious injuries involving police, were on the scene early Monday morning. Saunders said there was no information yet of the timeline of the shooting or any possible motive. Witnesses described a man dressed in black with a black hat firing about 20 shots in the area. The scene extended over several blocks, roughly between Chester and Logan Avenue. Paramedics said multiple people were taken to hospitals for trauma centers, including the child who was transported to the hospital uh, for sick children. Toronto Fire was called to the scene at 10.04 p.m. and requested additional ambulance support. Emergency task force officers arrived and began to cordon off several blocks. Police also confirmed that a suspicious package is also being investigated. Stavy Kornanascu was uh, standing with a few friends outside Logo Bar on the south side of Danforth, east of Logan. I heard pop, pop, and then I turned because I thought it was fireworks. And then the mother of a uh, friend of mine goes, they're shooting at us, run inside. Kornanascu got a frantic call from her sister who lives in a nearby apartment, worried because she couldn't locate her fiancé. Kornasco peered out and saw victims on the opposite sidewalk, both of whom appeared to be female. About 10 minutes after the gunfire, Kornasco went outside and saw two women on the ground with bystanders trying to save them by doing chest compressions. One of them, I could see her legs were blue. <coughs> That's not a good sign. Uh, Kornanowski said her voice trembling as she put her hand to her mouth. I wanted to help her, but didn't know what to do. She also saw a man who had been shot lying on the patio of... Lukacum, uh, or Lukumum Bakery and Cafe, also on the north side, east of Logan, said another man was trying to help him. Kornowski, I just keep butchering this name every time I say it. <laughs> this is a rough story. Uh, yeah, Kornowski said it felt like at least 10 minutes before the firefighters arrived, and, and uh, she and others were upset that police didn't get there sooner. I lived on the Danforth for the last four years, and there's always a police car around, she said it. If there was a police car around this area, he wouldn't have been shooting that long. Michael uh, Cazares was working inside Mesa's restaurant on the north side of Danforth, west of Logan, when he heard the pops. I thought maybe fireworks, but the restaurant is noisy, so I don't think too much. But after the 10th shot, I think, okay, something's happening, and I see people at the patio jump up. A co- Isn't that scary, too, right? Ten shots fired before people start jumping right. and jiving. And You know what? TV has messed us, right? You don't. A gun doesn't sound like that. No. Right? No, yeah. Like the firework. You don't hear the, it's, you know, it's like a, you don't get that, right? You don't get that rich sound. A lot of people think that, yeah. Right? It's it's Mm -hmm. kind of, no, that wasn't it either. I don't know what the hell that. (laughs) Yosemite Sam up. (laughs) I hate that rabbit. Um, But yeah, I mean, it doesn't sound like it when you hear it going off. You don't, you don't know it. Um, I remember growing up in Roselle, Illinois, we were at a fireworks display and, um, the news broke the next day there had been a shooting at at the fireworks what had happened was some chucklehead was shooting at a barrel of water like a quarter mile of way mm-hmm. missed the barrel flew through hit a guy in the chest you know in the side of the chest right. while he's watching fireworks the guy next to him happened to be a vietnam vet during the pops he recognized the sound of a bullet hitting the guy wow. next to him and knew what had happened to him because you couldn't hear the gun retort no. but he heard the bullet impact Wow. And said he'd heard that so many times when he was in Vietnam, he knew exactly what happened. And luckily, I think he's the one that saved the guy's life. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, guns, I don't know. That says, that says a lot about the Vietnam vet where you can still recognize that sound all these years well, later. Well, my, my grandfather, when we spoke just prior to his death in 1990, I had gone out there. And he, he was not always real forthcoming about the, about the war and what mm-hmm. happened. He was a paratrooper in World War II. But he was telling me, and he said, you know. Because you know, the question you always ask, did you kill anybody, Grandpa? Right? I mean, everybody wants to know. Yeah. And, he, you know, the stock answer was always, well, it was a lot of shooting. You know, I mean, I'm sure, you know, I don't know if I hit him or the guy next to me hit him. Right. I just know there was a lot of shooting. And he just got that faraway look. He's like, yeah, yeah, it's you or them. Yep. And at that point, I want it to be them. And he would just tell these stories about what, what would happen, and you could see him gloss over 
And he said, and, and he goes, you, you've never, and I hope you never have to live through walking along with your buddy or running through a field with your buddy and one suddenly is just shredded mm-hmm. next to you and the other one just, pop, his head pops and he hits the ground yep. and you don't know where it's coming from. And he goes, and I'm, you've got to roll and keep your head down and just try to make it out. Uh, what a, I, man, I don't know. That's why. Oh, no, I could yeah. definitely never be in the military. Like that's, that's a whole nother breed of he, person. He was a paratrooper, popped out of his plane once, parachute didn't open right. He hits the ground and breaks his leg. He's a sergeant, sends his platoon on to do what they have to do, right? He's got the map, knows where he's going. He would crawl and then black out from the pain. Mm-hmm. And he wakes up and there's this woman standing over him with a basket. And she starts to reach into the basket, and he takes out the gun and pulls it out at her. And he's like, I'm going to have to kill this woman. Then she, she said, her eyes got real big, and she pulls out an egg <laughs> and hands it to him. So she gave him two eggs. He lopped off the tops and drank them for some sustenance and then crawled his way through there. But he said you could never tell. Oh, no. You know, anyway, one of the points he was telling, the one time they'd come in, and they were making a, a round, and the woman came up on a bike, and she stopped and saw him and turned the bike around, and he had to give the order, kill her. And they're like, why? He goes, kill her. She's going to tell them that we're here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they had to take her off. And then a lot of the guys in the <clears throat> platoon or whatever you, the right term is for it were, you know, kind of questioning my grandfather's thoughts on yeah. this whole deal until they rounded the corner and down the hill was an enemy encampment. Wow. And she was going back to let them know that they were there. And they were all tired and, right. you know, would not have been prepared for that at all. So those are tough calls to make. I can't yeah. I can't imagine. I'm, you know, and when my kids want to go in the military and I'm like, Ugh. Yeah, no, we like that's on our show. We had a guy that was in the military, and we asked him kind of about um, being in Iraq and dealing with the child soldiers and stuff like that. Right. And he was like, Yeah, they'd be driving, and kids would be launching grenades at them, so they'd have to fire back and yep. kill all these kids because they're it's a like you said, a you or them, and just because they're kids doesn't make it any, any different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you're in that situation, right? And I don't know, war is a crazy thing anyway, but when you, you know, and, and you think, Oh, how can you kill children? But on the other side, they're weaponizing the children, yeah. sending the children in with bombs, you know, or yep. to lure you out and you come out to check on the kid and then they just start pulling and sniping you from a distance. It's, it's horrifying. Very bizarre stuff. I'm, uh, I'm glad that, uh, yeah, I'm glad my kids have luckily avoided it. My son Cliff was in the Navy, mm-hmm. um, and got out, I think about five years ago. So, and now my, my next son, who's, uh, going to Rose Holman, is uh, committed to the army for oh, when, okay. he, when he graduates, but he's he's a civil engineer. He's like, don't worry, Dad, I'll be building roads. <laughs> I won't be <laughs> I won't be out on the front line. I'm like, Atta boy, be smart. I just we uh, barely even have a front line anymore. Drones that all and drone robots. And and how how soon mean, are we going to be at the point where we nobody right. shows up anymore? It's coming. It's Terminators. Yeah. Yep. That's, right? Yeah, and that's scary because then now there's you can just like you said do attacks from home and it's. Like right. You're not risking anything. At least when it's a human life going over there, it makes it feel, in a way, I guess, more humane because it's not just somebody sitting in a bunker. Feels, feels more controlled. Yeah. I, I, you know, the, the scary thing to me is what is possible with the drone technology. And if you're able to, you know, there are some planes that are small enough that you can't ping them, you can't find them. Yeah. And now we can just send drones over that can do the same kind of damage. You know, yeah. little bitty things that are shooting places up and dropping bombs i don't know you'd like to think it's never going to get to that point nobody's gonna ever push the button because there's no win all the way around everybody's got the dead man hand right you you wipe out their country and their bombs go off automatically because there's nobody there to stop now mutually assured assured destruction right so it's it's uh terrifying you think oh this is going to happen but i don't think it's going to happen that way i think it's going to be a sneak attack and it's going to come red dawn style if it does occur Hopefully not. Look at Tevin's all depressed. I'm glad I'm old, Tevin. I don't have to worry about this. This will be your burden to share, young man. Uh, yeah, frightening stuff. But uh, So two dead in Toronto, many injured in that. Um, and then another shooting has taken place in Nevada at a Mormon church, leaving one dead. This just happened four hours ago. The, the story broke. One man was killed and another person injured in a shooting at a Mormon church in Nevada. It took place on Sunday. Fallon... Police Chief Kevin Gaiman told uh, Associated Press that the suspected shooter, identified as 48-year-old John Kelly O'Connor, is in police custody. He's accused by police of walking into the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints at Fallon just about 1 p.m. and opening fire. O'Connor was a member of the congregation and had attended a church service before opening fire, police said in a statement. 
KTVN-TV reported that Gaiman went home after the shooting, and then when police followed him to the address, a hostage negotiator persuaded him to surrender. Police have identified the victim as Charles E. Miller, age 61. Another person was shot in the leg and is a non-life-threatening condition. The Nevada Appeal reported that Miller attended that church. Gaiman said that the shooter appeared to have targeted one person, not the entire church, where 50 people were gathered at the time of the incident. He said no motive was immediately known. O'Connor was being held at the Churchill County Jail and has yet to be formally charged, police said Sunday. What's the hold yeah, what's the hold that? Well, we're not quite, we got to review the <laughs> videotapes. Our hearts go out to the family members of those who have lost someone and for those who were in the church uh, today where the tragedy occurred. A felon mayor, uh, Ken Tedford, said in a press conference, Eric Hawkins, director of media relationships for the LDS Church in Salt Lake City, offered condolences to the victims and their families in a statement. We express our love to those in the congregation and our prayers for the victims and their families. Local leaders are mis- uh, ministering to them at this time. Nevada Senators Catherine Cortez Mastro and Dean Heller offered condolences to the victims and their families on Twitter. Boy, you'd think church would be the one place you'd be safe, right? Mm-hmm. What happened to the old sanctuary clause where that's like the one place we're not going to mess with you? Right, yeah. There's really no place that people are that's off limits now. No. Like, you have malls, movie theaters, movie theaters malls, you got yeah, three-year-olds, three-year-olds being attacked with acid. Uh, it's a weird, brutal world. And, you know, there's no one – I guess that's the thing that's so frustrating, right, is that there's no one reason. There's no right. one culprit we can put our finger on that it's this race, this religion, this belief system, this, mm-hmm. you know, video games, TV, yeah. rap music, whatever, is, you know, heavy death metal stuff. There's no re- – it's just no rhyme or reason. People are just killing – yeah, just to just to kill somebody, and like in now in this obviously story, the the link is mental illness, yeah. but but and then like in this story, it's you find yourself mm-hmm. going like, well, thank God it was only one person and not the whole right. the whole church. Like that's the time we we're in where we're used to hearing, well, it was a mass shooting where multiple people are dead, and it's like, well, this is a better story because it's just well, one person. Yeah, I mean, because it's gotten to the point where when we hear about one of these mass shootings, they're like, well, how many are dead? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we're jaded to it because before you'd hear about one person getting shot in a public place, yeah. and it was just like. Oh my God, what's this world coming to? And now you hear about two or three dead, 12 injured, whatever. And it's just like, oh, well, at least not all 12 are dead. Or, yeah. I mean, ugh, it's getting out of hand. Uh, we've got uh, got more stories. We'll try to lighten it up in the next segment. Maybe do some dumb crimes, <laughs> stupid criminals. Just kind of get into the lighter fare uh, as the show progresses. Uh, we, uh, we've got, uh, Tom Bernard coming back to the show tomorrow. Catherine, everybody will be back in full compliment sitting in for Tom Bernard. I'm Dave Schrader. We've got more coming your way. Stay tuned. This is the Tom Bernard show.